This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain with you. And joining me, as always, Chad Cruz. And Chad, what a week it was for you. It was week one of Bulletproof Gladiators and your team, the Cruise Missiles, victorious. It was great for the Cruise Missiles as a team. You know, we came out there, we fought hard. Uh, I've got a fantastic team, a great lineup this year. You know, guys like Keanu Reeves, Clint Eastwood, uh, another character we're going to be mentioning later. Uh, I'm sure of uh, a guy by the name of Scott Atkins, but uh, the team really came out and they played, they played to their level and, and then just, they just outperformed everybody. And it, it's well, so great. It's so great because you know, my actual fantasy football team, we got the shit beat out of this. <laughs> well, see, that's the magic of when bulletproof action and fantasy sports collide. And I will say your team did very well with the exception of uh, Tom Cruise. He, he was the shits. Well, he, uh, well, he was probably like hanging from the top of a plane or something. You're right. And he's, yeah. His focus was off. He just, he wasn't there to perform this week. So maybe next week. Maybe, maybe. But, uh, you know, you're not the only Chad on this episode of the Bulletproof Podcast. So this should get really confusing in short order because joining oh. us, we have a very special guest. It is action writer himself. I mean, he's done many movies. Many that you probably have seen if you are a true action fan. I'm talking about Chad Law. Chad, welcome to the program. Thank you, guys. All right. Now, you know, I talked about you. You did Daylight's End. Chad Cruz, I know you love that movie. I did Uh, indeed. Close Range. I think one of the more underrated Scott Atkins movies out there. Six Bullets. uh, Probably one of the better uh, JCVD movies of the modern times. Um, But how, how did this even happen? I mean, obviously, Chad, I... And Chad Law, of course. You yeah. are a, a fan of action movies. Yeah. I would assume you didn't just yeah. start writing action movies because you hated them. So how do yeah, you transition yeah. from yes. being like one of us to the guy writing for major action stars? Yeah. Um, so so it's kind of like, I mean, I, I knew at a very young age I wanted to be involved in movies somehow. And like most kids, I, you know, I just wanted to be an actor only because that was the only thing, you know, that I understood. I watched Dudikoff and, and, you know, Keanu Reeves and all these guys that we were just talking about on your team, um, <laughs> watching all these guys and thinking, Oh, I just want, I want to be, I want to be in movies. And then I realized like, you know, probably would suck at that. Shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but I had on the side sort of always been, you know, a right. Like even in first grade, I'd write little stories and they would go to like the young authors conference and, and, you know, They'd be like, he's the best writer of 80 students in his first grade. You know, I probably was the only one who was like actually writing <laughs> beginning, middle, and end. Um, no, that was impressive. Come on, give yourself some come credit. On, come on, come on. Yeah. But um, so, so it was sort of like it took for a long while for me to see like the merging of the two of the two things like, oh, I want to do movies and somebody has to put that shit on a page for other people to film, for the actors to say words and do things. And um, 
and eventually I just, I started writing, I started just read, well, I started reading scripts, mostly Tarantino scripts and all the Tarantino scripts I could get a hold of. Mostly just because I liked the way he, it was entertaining to me to read where I found a lot of scripts, reading them sort of monotonous. Um, even if I liked the movies that came from them. And then I just sort of adopted my own style and started writing. And for years, like the genre was, I'm, I'm a, I like horror and I like action movies. Like that was, if it's a genre movie, that's sort of like, you know, how I was raised and going to the video store and renting those. So that has always been, you know, the sort of write what you know thing. And I would go and for years try to write horror movies. Um, and I failed at it. I'm a failed horror writer. That's how I became an action writer, actually. <laughs> is I, I wrote tons and tons of horror scripts. And this is back when everything was sort of a Japanese-Asian ghost adaptation. The Ring, On Grudge, on and on. There were like, you know, all the... Everything in, in Hollywood had to be, you know, some kind of Asian ghost story at the time, remade for our audience. And that wasn't really my thing, but I still kept trying to write horror scripts. And they would always, you know, people would always like the writing. I'd take all these meetings all around all the studios and everywhere. And then it was just like, but it, it never went anywhere. And eventually, and I always liked action movies too. It was just, I didn't, for some reason, I didn't see the in in writing action movies at the time. I saw the in in writing horror movies, I guess, because, you know, I viewed it as like, you didn't have to get stars. You just had to get somebody to like it and they could go make the grudge with your neighbor or something. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's what it is. I don't really know why I saw one as, you know, a way in and the other, you know, as not. But um, but then out of, like, frustration, I wrote um, a script called Hero Wanted, which I thought wasn't necessarily an action movie, but was actually sort of like a crime drama at the time. And I started pitching it around, and people really liked it. And then it went to um, Millennium, which is, you know, Avi Lerner and Millennium Films and, you know, synonymous with The Expendables and all the action movies. Um, and they wanted me to, you know, add machine guns and explosions. And from that point on, I became, you know, the action guy, I guess. Were you like, this is just so easy. Look how easy this is. Yeah. No, no. I was by accident. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was really hard actually. And like, and, and I remember thinking after I made, um, you know, hero wanted that my career was over. Um, because (laughs) you know, like the movie didn't go, I look back at the movie differently over time than I did at the time. Um, but at the time I was really hard on it and I'm not saying it's great and I'm not saying it's terrible. My opinion's just, you know, you soften, you know, time heals all wounds kind of thing. Um, and I just, I look back on it a little differently than I, than I did at the time, but you know, I I thought my career was over. What am I going to do? And then I started writing more action scripts. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And what was weird is it still took me a few years to kind of get anything going. I think the next thing that I had going, um, I mean, I did a couple things with Cuban. I, I, did, I did Hit List and then kind of set for a while. And then eventually we got to Six Bullets with Van Damme. And that was really the movie, like, oddly enough, that was like sort of how I my career kind of took off. Like, not that I hadn't already made one or two movies, but I still very much felt like, I could still end up working, you know, at Target right, at any right. day and, and this could all just go away. And look, I still feel like that sometimes, but I try and keep really busy so that that doesn't happen. But at the time, I really, really felt like, you know, okay, this is the, you know, that check was nice, but it's running out and there's no, you know, there's nothing in sight, you know, 
Like, what do you do? Because it's not, it's not like you just make one movie and, you know, off to Hugh Hefner's place you go. Um, (laughs) It's, you know, it's just a different, that's sort of like the misconception I think is like, Oh, he's making movies. He's doing great. And look, some of that eventually can come with it, but like there's a, you know, there's, there's a long period of, you got to put your time in of being out of work and uncertain and, you know, thinking maybe I should save, maybe I should save my fries, you know? <laughs> I, I will, I'm, I'm looking at your, your IMDB page right now of all the things that you've written. And there are some that I actually, I didn't know that you had written movies okay. that I've reviewed and I'm happy to say I really enjoyed them. Oh, good, good. I, I, <laughs> I aim to please. I mean, years before I knew you were going to be on this podcast, I loved your movies. So that's a good, that's a good sign. That's good. Thank you. I was going to, yeah, I, who knew when I was reviewing six bullets in close range, I'd be talking to the guy who wrote it. I didn't know that at the time. That's but true. I, yeah. I enjoy those. I enjoy it. So yeah, thanks, we're, thanks. yeah. we're not, we're not just kissing up. You know, this was way yeah, before. Yeah. No, I, well, and it's, and it's funny because like, you know, I like, I sort of have my own opinions on, you know, people are always like, Oh, you know, do you love everything? You, you know, like, how, you know, and it's sort of like, no, like I have my own opinions on how these movies come out. I do. I always do what I think my job is to the best of my ability, but then, you know, movies are not novels. So they take on and should, that's part of the whole thing is take on a life of their own. And hopefully they get better than the script. That's what right. I want to happen. That doesn't um, always happen. And, and I think six bullets is a case of where the movie definitely got better. The script was good. I, you know, I feel like I did what I needed to do with it, but I felt like the, the, the movie got better than I expected it to be. You know, it came out, I don't know what I was, you know, like at that point in time, Van Dam, it was sort of like, who knows what we're getting here. <laughs> right? right. Right. As a fan, just watching Van Dam, I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm getting into. Um, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to try and be the best fucking Van Dam movie in you know, <laughs> a long time. So I couldn't even remember. Probably replicant was the last one I really liked before six bullets. If I remember. And which I thought was really good with Michael Rooker. And it was like yeah. his fourth time playing a twin or something. Um, so far, but, no, but nobody's confused. But I still want want to know why they're very. Con- have you noticed? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're fortunate. But people online are very confused about the double impact and who played Alex. Where Van Dam has been double characters in, as you mentioned, multiple movies. But they yeah. only go for whatever reason. Double impact really throws some people out there for for a loop. Yeah, I don't get it. It's like this is. It, I mean, it's almost like. I mean. It's sort of like, um, again, I don't know if there's any truth to this, but I feel like Van Damme's like drawn to duality. (laughs) (laughs) Like if there's two of him, he's like even better. My favorite co-star. Yes. More time, Um, more screen time. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's not just that. Like, you know, like he also is, you know, interested in playing himself and, and then interested in doing, you know, him in different characters like he does in six bullets wearing costumes but sort of like doing different versions of him or the the series that he did for amazon like i feel like yeah. he's very interested in trying to do him several different ways in the same story right yeah and you, you were talking sorry brain that you're talking about kind of how the script evolves into the film and how kind of it, you hope that it gets better now yeah you, yeah, you hope you hope it gets better and you hope that you know it um because at the end of the day, like, it's just words on a page. Like, you know, uh, as we know, I've done some Scott Atkins movies, and it's like, I right. can't write as cool of shit as Scott Atkins <laughs> do. Spin kick. 
Like, so, so on the page, it just says, you know, Scott jumps up, kicks some people. I mean, you know, I try to be more creative than that, but that's, it's not super entertaining to read because you know that like better people than me, Scott included in the, in the second unit directors and stunt, stunt men and stunt choreographers, they're going to come in and they're going to read that on a page and be like, yeah, we can't do that, but we can do this. And it just, you know, hopefully. And again, like, you know, like I look at a John Wick movie and I say, that script could be 45 pages technically. <laughs> yeah. Because most of it is, and that's not to take away from the writer or, or, you know, um, anybody who makes those movies. I love those movies, but a lot of it is the stunts and well, and obviously the directors who, you know, are former stunt men. So like, there's a lot of that that's being made, not on the page. Yeah. I wanted to say six bullets is probably the best use of Chris Van Dam. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. KVD action. KVD, uh, who Chad Cruz stalked on Twitter for a while, and then I think it caused him to to run away from social media. It's a well-known fact, Chad, that uh, Chris Van Dam once asked me to ride motorcycles with him and then (laughs) quickly retracted it. (laughs) (laughs) When he realized realized I was a nobody and quickly retracted it. Oh, he was like, oh, no. (laughs) You're You're not Tom Cruise's cousin. Yeah, we. I think uh, you know we were talking about Ducatis, and he was like, "Wow, we should go riding sometime." And then he was like, "Oh shit, I hit send," and then he, <laughs> and he then like, he deleted out. it instantly. But I screenshot it, so I'm, we're in. We're best. You're friends. in. You're in. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris is still in the house. All right. Well, I know you're currently working on War Paint, I believe. Yeah, that's that true. Just getting started. Yeah, just getting started on that. That we almost missed you. We almost missed our window to have you on the show, but I'm glad you made time. But you got war paint. But the big news is next Friday, September 23rd on AMC Plus, Section 8 comes out. What can you tell us about this? I know there is a star-studded cast involved. Yeah, it, uh, we, we, we filmed it last summer, and it, it, um, it was sort of – well, it was the first movie that I had done coming out of, you know, COVID where we, I think – you know, like many of us thought, you know, who knows if we'll work again, who knows what happens? Like, um, and so, so for one, it was just exciting to be, to be working again, but then to put together this whole cast that I think is, you know, pretty amazing. And, and I, I'm, I'm really happy with the movie. I think, I think action fans, I think, I think people are going to, have you, have you guys seen it? I've not seen it yet. I do no. have a uh, screener for it. I will be checking it out. Okay. I was going to say, I knew there were screeners going around. Um, yeah, I think you, I'm curious what you guys think. I look, I'm I'm pretty honest when it comes to this stuff. I'll tell you if I, you know, like a line about gremlins in a Seagal movie more than I like the rest of the movie, or um, that's an inside. I know we know the gremlins joke that I put in the movie, um, but uh, I'll tell you, you know, if I if I like a movie or if I'm sort of you know uh, lukewarm on it, particularly as time passes, I you know I don't want to just come out and be like, hey, this movie I came out, you know, sucks, but. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, I am pretty honest about it. And this one, you know, I, I'm very happy with it. I think it came out really, really well. I'm, I'm going to, I'm planning on promoting the shit out of this movie because two of the members of your cast are on my fantasy team. Which is so, and I, yeah, I mean, Scott Atkins, Dolph Lundgren. I mean, if I could have chosen Ryan Quanton, maybe I should have because Red Hill was probably one of my uh, favorite sleeper films of the last so like, 15 good. years. So, good. so great. Yeah, no, like, and he just like, he just like blew me away 
in this movie. And, and it's weird because like, you know, again, not to kind of like, you know, poo poo on what anybody else is doing or, or why other movies are made versus some others. But like, this is a movie that like, we didn't like stunt cast anything just to get it made. Right. Like we didn't yeah. say, Hey, here's our actor that we're paying 4 million and we're going to put him in a room and have him read these cue cards. Um, not that there are people doing this. But, <laughs> of course not. Um, it, you know, like this is a, like, you know, we had actual roles and things for this cast to do. That's not to say that it's a Scott Atkins movie or it's a Dolph Lundgren movie, but they play their parts. And I think they are, you know, important to the story. And I think they do well in this sort of like almost ensemble, you know, kind of setup that we have. And, and I think it's, I think you'll see the difference between, you know, this feels very different to me than a lot of um, movies, you know, coming out that, you know, sort of a lot of action movies that don't have people in tights in them. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, well, I'll say yeah, one thing or, for and sure. Then, and no Bruce Willis. No, Bruce Willis is not in this movie. Oh, Bruce Willis. Yeah, he's gone now. And, and I love Bruce Willis. I'm, I'm like, I really, you know, I will, I will miss Bruce Willis. I mean, I think any action fans going to, and it might take a while for us to kind of recognize that he's gone because he's probably got six he or seven like movies, coming, movies out. coming out. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be like, oh shit, he retired three years ago. How about well, that? And what's funny is I was talking to a buddy and, you know, I would be kind of hard on some of these, like, just like the, you know, everybody on the internet is like, oh, why? And, and as they've sort of slowed down, I'm sort of like, man, is there any Bruce Willis got anything coming out? Yeah. <laughs> like and now I'm like already like, where's the absence where's the, makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. Where's yeah. the next Bruce Willis in the woods movie? I want to see that. So yeah, again, section eight next Friday, September 23rd, AMC plus. And I'll tell you what, and you mentioned it, uh, Mr. Law, uh, it's a great time to get AMC plus because you get shutter and it is scary movie season. And it is. so if you're a fan of the action genre, the horror genre, get yourself a, a subscription to AMC plus watch Chad's new movie and then all the great horror content that's going to be on there. I know that's a, even though I have a screener, I still plan on uh, subscribing because I want to check out shutter. I usually do that every year about this time anyway, so I can, you know, so I could be lazy and not go look for a DVD. Look for your, <laughs> right. Or if sometimes maybe I don't even have it and I, that's even better too. So yeah. And I know Chad Cruz is anxiously awaiting for me to post my review. I am. So he can start getting points for his, his team. And I, you know, I'm I, taking, and I'm taking you on next week. I know. You know Isn't that, I'm, I'm going to be sealing my own fate by uh, re- handing you big numbers with this, this movie. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. That, that's what I'm hoping for. Go team. Yeah. Go cruise <laughs> missiles. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. There you go. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back and talk about a action classic right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz, and our special guest, Chad Law. 
And I was talking to Chad Law just a couple of weeks ago as we were setting this all up. And I said, hey, man, one, come on. We could talk about your new movie coming out. But let's also do what we do best here on the Bulletproof Podcast. And that's talk about an action movie of the past. And I don't know if I sent this to you through telepathy, but I was thinking this movie. And actually, as we record this, it is celebrating its anniversary because it was released on September 12th, 1986. Oh, no shit. And Chad Law chose Avenging Force, directed by Sam Furstenberg, starring Michael Dudikoff and Steve James. It's the canon dream team reunited. And uh, this one is, as I've been saying, a classic. Chad, why'd you pick it? Uh, I think the better answer is why not? Like it's, it's 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 honestly like the perfect action movie. Like it's it's um, you start out, you've got two guys running through woods, you've got swords. <laughs> Next thing you know, you've got shootouts in the streets, and you've got then you've got a little vengeance. You you you've got our lead characters going after revenge. Then shit gets really nasty, and then our hero, you know, as often happens, has someone close to him abducted, and well, he's got to go finish the game. What's not to love? Yeah, it, it, it plays to all the, the strengths of an action movie. That's the nutshell. I think I just hit every beat of the movie. I, you did. I think I we're, think we're done. done. Yeah, we're all right, well, thank you. This will be the shortest episode of <laughs> yeah, all time. Yeah, I mean, just, just go watch it. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah, it, it's a great one. And yeah, we meet the Pentangle. They are a yeah. uh, hunting group. And Chad, I know these are some of your favorite villains of all time. Oh, my God. Yeah, we've got this group of... Uh, crazy right-wing extremists, uh, rich, white, privileged assholes who, who, uh, <laughs> who love bringing down uh, minorities at the same time, uh, padding their wealth, and then hunting people in the, uh, bayou, in the bayous. Yeah, just, just for the hell yeah. of it, you know what I mean? And, and what, what's funny is, is Mr. Law there mentioned uh, we have swords. Uh, yeah, we do have swords. We have get masks. We have we have like a trident at yeah. one point, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's I, and I thought things. only brick wielded the trident. Yes, yeah, I had a trident at one time. But we have so many wild weapons, and it's just what a great atmosphere. These guys just like you know, like we said, we have ultimate villains. They're racist assholes who hunt people. Like there's no it's, way it's, you could like really, them. Yeah, it's really really hard to to create more unlikable villains than these. Yes. Guys. If they, or likable. If I mean, they're, they're not likable, but they are great villains, right? Like, right. The only way you make it worse is if, like, at the end they start, like, someone shows a painting of Hitler and they start, like, you know, uh, That's all that's missing. And I'm yes. surprised, like, that there's not, like, a Hitler painting somewhere in that mansion, like, when they're sort Right. Of I mean, he's he's talking Hitler up at the end of the movie. When yes, he's he was. dinner party. Right. You know, he's like, oh, let's right. reminisce about the great Adolf Hitler. Right. Yeah, he, he right. was. On, he was. He had some good ideas there, and he was on the right path, as far as I'm concerned. It, so, and on the opposite side of the coin, you have uh, the returning hero Matt Hunter, played by our favorite Michael Dudikoff. Michael Dudikoff, of course, this a sequel, maybe unofficially, but not. It is an official sequel to Invasion yeah. USA. Matt Hunter, there, uh, played by Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris decided not to do this movie, and I don't know if maybe it was. I've heard it could have been because of some of the sensitive nature of this movie and Chuck didn't want to be involved with that. Um, or it just was Chuck being Chuck and he just does what he wants to do. Um, yeah. But we get Michael Dudikoff. No, the one name or I always kind of get a chuckle out of is you got William Wallace in here who is like Chuck Norris's buddy 
in the Delta Force, playing a completely different character as Wade Delaney yeah. as yeah. one of the Pentangle. I mean, he, he was in that cannon stable and then he like just disappeared. Whatever happened to that guy? I have no idea. But that's, you know, that's how I viewed a lot of these guys who, you know, would come out of the canon movies or the PM movies. And it's like, you see them all the time and then they're just like, poof, what happened? So yeah, after, after our Bayou hunt, um, you know, and, and John P. Ryan, I think steals the show as oh, he's great. not surprising when he does his, like, what was that? Like a war call or some sort of oh, yeah. He was it's, very excited that he, he bagged one. It's great. Cause it feels like something that, is real. Like, you know, like everybody knew that it was him when, when they heard it, it didn't seem like something that was made up. And, and, and Chad, how do you put that in the script? Does he just do that? <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, I, it would be interesting to see the script to this movie. I was thinking that like, even, even where like the two right before that, before the guys get split up, they like both are hiding. There's like some kind of like perfect ledge that they both yes. managed to squeeze themselves under. And the guy with the sword, just like, is right there, but they're right beneath them. And I even thought about that. I was like, they surely had to like build that thing. Like that's not just a part of nature. And I, how in the hell did they write? Like it was like <laughs> they duck under inside a hill, and it's like a hobbit hole. Yeah, and the, it, it, it's but it's and it's it's just it's too it's too perfect, right? Like that has to be some kind of. I should ask Sam. He, he in fact, his book probably covers half of this stuff. He sent me his book. Um, you, the, the, you know, Sam, that, that giant uh, almanac size thing. Yeah, it's this huge book, and I like. I started to read some of it. It was super fascinating. I, you know, obviously I haven't gotten through, you know, even half. But yeah, it's it's, it's like the it's like the Bible according to Sam Furstenberg, and it, it's yeah. great. Yeah, well, from what I've read, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I've not gotten through all of it, but uh, yeah, good stuff in there. By I the time the Avenging Force section. You know, by the time you read that Sam's book, you could have written three or four more movies. So but yeah, no, so maybe I'll save it for retirement. Maybe I'll write my own book. There you go. I yeah. Uh, by the time I finish reading, I'll forget the stuff I read at the beginning, so I have to yeah. start over. You have again. to go back. Right. And, yeah, yeah. No, but these bad guys in, in Avenging Force—they're just like like they're they're actually like what I try not to. Let me rephrase. I think they're great villains, like the best. And it's hard to come up with villains that are as good of villains as these movies are. But I always try to write less mustache twirling villains, as I like to call them, because these <laughs> yeah. guys are like so fucking evil. Yeah, that they might as well just have like a villain card in their wallet. You know, like <laughs> there's, there's, you, you, surely they don't have families or anything like uh, uh, hobbies or unless it's like causing harm to other people. Yeah, it's like an R-rated GI Joe villain, really. Yes, I mean, yes, yeah. Yes. They're very cartoonish, but obviously, but they're, they're also doing, great. They, yeah. They're doing things that were not going to be happening on a daytime television, right? And, th- and things that I think, like you know, audiences today are probably like, "Oh, come on!" Like you know, right? He's not that bad, and it's like, no, he is. Don't you watch the news? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to say that some of this seems. Like it could have happened. Most well, recently, recently have we re-entered that time where it's like believable again? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's a couple speeches at the beginning. We're like, okay, this is. This sounds. This sounds like something recently. I could have heard recently. Yeah. 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 This sounds Was like, this uh, being said on January 5th to prepare oh. for the next day or something? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. No. There is. There is times where you start to think, you know, like, damn, dude, he really knew what he was talking about when he was talking yeah. to his niece about 
evil politicians. Right. Oh, yeah. He gives him that little speech. He's like, sometimes these politicians do anything for money. Mm-hmm. Or something. Yeah. I can't remember what it is, but it's something. He wasn't lying. And yeah. He, he, he wasn't lying. And um, uh, yeah, no, but the, but they're like on the flip side of that, like I said, they're they're probably like some of my favorite 80s villains. I it, they, it would be hard to match a movie uh, from, you know, 80s action that I think has, you know, a better villain than John P. Ryan in this movie. Right. He's just really, really dastardly. Yes, he is excellent. Excellent in this. We talk about how great the villains are, but let's talk about uh, Dudikoff's hair. Even though he's wearing that cowboy hat, hair still looks phenomenal. Looks great. Looks, looks always. Looks, looks like he stepped right off the set of Young and the Restless. <laughs> and yeah, and that is definitely one. Uh, you know, I know Chad. Long ago, you debated who was the better Matt Hunter. Yes, I don't think there's any debate who had the better hair. No, absolutely uh, not. Uh, Dudikoff uh, had duty had better hair for sure. But I Chuck, mean, Norris, Chuck had over, overall more hair. He had more and over him. Back hair, chest hair. Chuck right. Norris wins that without a doubt. What's funny is, is I don't think are these movies. I, I, I've you know known that the characters were connected by name, but it feels like it's only by name, right? Like, is there any Steve James wasn't in? I mean, there's no other connection, right? To Norris's film. Is there? Am I missing something? I do not believe so. Um, yeah. Was Chuck's version, he wasn't in Secret Service at any point, was he? Because I don't I, th- I, think they said what he did. He just he was, was just there. a badass. Yeah, they just knew. Yeah, that, the that, government that, knew he was like badass on call or something. Yeah, everybody know. knew he was a badass. And then this Matt Hunter was, a, you know, a so super badass. For G6 Secret yeah. Service. Yeah. Yeah, it just felt like, I mean, and I know they, you know, pre-sold i mean they very much did what you know a lot of the movies i work on even do even today which is you know the pre-sale model you put x actor in whatever you know story and you know you go sell it to germany and around the country and hopefully you get enough to make the movie um but i think you know other than like them selling the name i can't imagine that these things i've never looked at it as a sequel i guess that's where i'm going with this yeah Yeah. those are very very different movies well, in some territories, this was American Ninja Two as well. So, oh, wow. which makes a lot of sense, you know, that until makes you watch more sense until there's no ninjas, yeah, or <laughs> until you watch the next American Ninja, you're like, oh shit, Steve James is back. American Ninja Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, how did he get that? It was a prequel, damn it. Yeah, American Ninja: The Beginning. How about that? They've <laughs> done that before. <laughs> But we so, do, yeah. we do finally get to meet Steve James, which is a good thing. Yeah, the yeah cowboy Matt Hunter takes his uh, little sister Sarah and Gramps, and they're going to New Orleans to meet Larry Richards. And Larry Richards, I mean, he's a pretty big deal because he's running for U.S. Senate. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's got my vote. He's uh, what a super guy. I mean, Steve James. He he obviously has known Dudikoff for some time. They they served together, um, and now he is. I believe he's a city councilman. I'm assuming in New Orleans. I don't know. Something, but, uh, yeah, something to run for. He's got a great family. Great family, and now he's running for Senate, and he's just surrounded by uh, evil guys. You know, <laughs> the Pentangle specifically, who want to take him down. Yeah, receiving death threats. Yeah, they want him gone. So not really, you know. So that kind of knowing this now, before they go to the Mardi Gras Gras parade, um, you know, Matt's head's on a swivel as they're going on the float and. Throwing, it's probably the tamest 
Mardi Gras parade. Yeah, yeah. This is a very PG surprise. Daytime, you know. Mardi Gras day, daytime yeah. parade, yeah. But I'll tell you what. I mean, it's pretty big scene for a canon movie. The whole movie kind of felt bigger than your average canon I, movie. I think that's one of the reasons it's so memorable is like, you know, in a sequence, you know, shortly after the parade is interrupted, instead of, you know, taking the stairs, Dudikoff's like, fuck it, I'll just climb the building. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Which is great. I, 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 every time I see it, I think, you know, of course. Of course, that's why they wanted him to be Spider-Man. And, right. You know what? I think that's the, you know, show me, don't tell me. We're like, okay, yeah, we get that he's a former badass, but he just climbed this building. Right. Nothing you can say matches him climbing the building. Yes, exactly. And climbing the building toward a guy on top of it with guns, no less. And he knows yeah. this. I've only done this like three times. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I look, I stopped halfway <laughs> up and I thought about it and was like, it's a long ways and he's got a gun. I'm unarmed. Chugged a beer and kept going, right? Yeah, I'm like, I'm going back down. <laughs> yeah, he sees the guy with the straw hat, which you know that means he's, I don't know why that means he's trouble, but he's bad. He's the, he's the ringleader. He's kind of organizing this hit, but it all goes awry. But fortunately, this man with the straw hat, who we later find out is named Andrew Parker, he gets away. Um, and really, this is where the movie's like, gets starts turning dark because one of the kids gets shot. Larry, Larry survives, but his kid is slaughtered and a bunch of just innocent people are slaughtered too. Yeah. People, more people die in this than, you know, and and I kind of like that. Like, well, I don't like it, but it's kind of odd that like after the, the chase of the, of Parker, like then he's just like on another street and it's like nothing happened. Like you didn't just hear those Uzis going off (laughs) the street over. And like, there's probably should be a bunch of police and like, yeah, everything going on. But again, the budget was on the parade, right. not to do you have know what, an entire police force. Do you know what NOPD stands for? Um, not I, our problem, dude. Or, okay. Oh, there you go. Someone told me that. I was in New Orleans. Somebody told me that. Too I'd far. actually believe that. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot they probably just let slide down there. Especially yeah, it, used to, it was the murder capital of the world for, or for, of the country for a long time. Yeah, my, yeah I saw Sinners and Saints. See that? Well, that's another good one. Yeah. Whoever wrote that deserves a freaking award. Yeah, that wasn't mine. Damn it, Kaufman. I did meet that. Kaufman. Yeah. That's how I found Daylight End. Well, Johnny Strong and Kaufman connection. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. No, and then um, uh, I I gotta quit detracting from Avenging Force because I think we we missed how cool it is that uh, the reason they were able to. Um, get the drop on Hunter is they had <laughs> yeah, thank you. They had uh, machine guns in you know baby carriages, and, and like there were women with kids. Like, were they in on it? How did they get those guns in those strollers? They had I, actual I babies, it's like decoys. But you know, look when you're when you're rich, right wing villains. I guess you yeah. just have yeah. chicks who are like you're with me. Yeah, I mean, and they just hit the dirt and they pull out their Uzis and you know. Brain, if you need two babies and strollers, I can have them in 20 minutes, guaranteed. It would have been better if they cut, if they showed us like the babies inside (laughs) and they pulled the Uzi out from under. Anyway. Or the baby was a fake baby, but the Uzi was inside the fake baby. Oh, yeah. Like a paper mache baby. Right. And he just fires out its mouth. Why don't they just make (laughs) the babies bombs and throw a bomb at the float? Didn't that happen? Didn't Schwarzenegger do that? 
collateral. He had a head until Damn Rico. Oh, that's right. That's right. I knew it was something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, we were way ahead of Schwarzenegger. <laughs> way ahead. So now, after after we've seen one of Larry's kids die, we go to the eighth annual Kendo Exposition presented luckily by the American. He has, he has one son left. The, yeah. the, the younger sort of you know. The really, really cute one. Like we could, we could dispense with this one, I guess, because he's like older and able <laughs> right. to fend for himself. And you know, Bola has the, no name. But on the, it. the other one's not going to have much help. Oh, we'll get there. But we'll uh, get yeah, there. we'll get there. But right now, we're lucky. We've got one child left. We got one child left. His wife is obviously devastated, as you would imagine she would be. Um, and while this is going on, the eighth annual Kendo Exposition presented by American Survival Association. Uh, is there and of course it really is just this is who the pentangles hanging out with um no diversity awards is going to be given out for the the people there it, they all look very very similar and they are doing a sort of like at the end of it what like is basically like a like a hail hitler salute right like, yeah it's you know white power yeah elliot elliot i mean yeah. he was getting his yeah it, it was it was it was an uncomfortable situation. This is probably you. the scene where Chuck Norris said, you yeah. know, what? I think I'm not going to do this movie. As much yeah. as I want to punch these guys in the face. Yeah, I'm going to stay away. You know what? I, I love how you describe your brain as an impassioned hate speech. <laughs> impassioned hate speech. Yes. In my, uh, in my notes here. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want to get too graphic, but uh, yeah, it very was. I mean, he, he truly believed it to the point where uh, you know, I'd, if I were if John P. Ryan were alive today, I'd be worried if I were him, uh, because people might take it like that was his actual views. Right? Yeah, he's like so good at it. Like, like you believe everything this guy's telling you. Yeah, he crushes it. He, he does. does. He crushes it. And and again, Steve James crushes it. Like the, this movie, it has it all. What can I say? Steve James, John P. Ryan, dude across hair. It, it's there. <laughs> it's you. all there. Thank you. Um, we get back to Larry's house. It's vandalized. Racial slurs all over. Hunt, Matt Hunter is getting pissed. Obviously. He's fucking pissed. Yeah, no doubt. So he's got. A, he's calling his boss or his former boss, Admiral Brown, James Booth, who was actually the writer of of the movie. Oh, that's about that. That's, yeah, that's a clever cameo. I'm gonna fuck. You should be. Doing you need that. to start writing yourself into bigger parts. I'm a, I know yeah, you've, like you've a, had a few small parts, have you not? But you need to be little, like, little, little things. Like I wouldn't even call them parts. I'd call them, you know, bits. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. From now on, I'm, I'm gonna be. You're going James Booth. Movie. I mean, because James Booth, I think he was the villain in American Ninja Four too, and he wrote that one. Oh, so, that's right. And Steve I think he, he may have wrote. He probably wrote Pray for Death because he was Limehouse Willie in that with the, the show Kasugi movie. So yeah, he always yeah. knew what he was doing. He knew what he was have, doing. Like, Chad, have you considered doing what, uh, you know, Todd farmer? Are you yeah, Todd, with I know Todd. Yeah. He always shows his, uh, his, his ass. He always shows movie. his ass in the movie. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. Like it depends, depends what season I'm in. Like if I'm, you know, if I've been working out or if I'm post COVID been, you know, hitting the burgers heavy, I don't know. Gotcha, here. Gotcha. Um, yeah. We'll see. Well, I don't know. There might be some, might be some brief nudity in the future. Okay. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah, it's and, you know, it's, it's one of Chad Cruz's dreams. Oh man, I'd love to just to, to, to bare ass in a movie or be thrown ass. through a window or be thrown bare ass through a window would be his ultimate dream. I mean, that would bucket well, list. That's the top of the list. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Even dude, that would that would make my day. I'd, you like go. you said, retiring. I might retire just out of pure joy. Yep, there you go. You're you're out. Schwartz, 
Scott Atkins throws you through a window naked. <laughs> so I'm a one and doneer. I'm out, out of the biz. Can't wait. Can't That's wait. For you. you know, this is t- entirely possible. We can make this happen. I know. I'm hoping. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to. Uh, we just got to figure out why you're naked, and then, then from that point on, um, I'll find know, a way. Falls to the wall. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> I want a slow motion fall out the window. Oh, too. Boy. <laughs> Maybe that could just be safe for the special features where you, <laughs> where you dissect the scene and uh, uh, director's cut. Tell yeah. uh, tell everybody what your diet was leading up to it. Uh, so yeah, he gets in touch with Admiral Brown. He wants to know, do they have anything on the Pentangle? Obviously they, we know they're extreme, right? They may be beyond extreme, right? But pretty far. Oh yeah. They're there. Yeah, there's a five high profile businessmen are in charge of this thing. But of course, we only know four of them at this point. Um, And and the big thing is that their weakness, if anything, is they have this hunting club. That's their one guilty pleasure, I guess. They're guilty of a lot of things. But that's the one thing they do that it's like, all right, why are you doing this? Because... (laughs) How is this helping? Because they're not just hunt, hunting minorities. They're hunting anybody with any type yeah. of military backs, anything to make it interesting for them. So there's that. Um, and then old Admiral Brown gets the idea of what if we could get an agent in there and beat them at their own game? Hmm, Matthew? Yeah. And he's like, go fuck yourself. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to help my friend. I'm going to protect my friend. And they do so. They take him to the, uh, I guess it was it was a duty... It was at uh, Matt Hunter's farmhouse or yeah, his ranch, his ranch back at the ranch again. Um, but be, so they're going there. They send the family there, the family that's left. But now Matt and Larry, they just purpose. They know there's a trap being set for him, but they're like, we don't care. And now we get some big action, big action. Big again, action. I don't, I don't think they wrote anything here. It just was, let's see what happens. Yeah, well, they had to write stuff because they've got vehicles, they've got budgetary stuff involved. It's usually, usually you can kind of be sparse with like the, you know, the fisticuff stuff. Like he walks into a room, eight dudes attack him, he takes them all out. But you got when for for production reasons, they had to get into the, you know, some of the car action and the, you know, he spins out, he takes the car out, he. Oh, those Those big jumps. That truck takes two. There's some jumps. jumps. That truck, you know what Cannon loves is a badass truck. You know what? I'm not mad at him. I love a badass truck too. And a badass truck jump, like particularly over a jawbridge, like gimme. I know. Put it in my veins. And and Chad, you're you're from Indiana. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're a couple of Ohio guys, so we can all appreciate a good Midwestern truck jump. And a good, I think a that good truck, yeah, it's good um, truck jump, good truck jump. And you know what? It's like as we're sitting here talking and I'm thinking about Avenging Forces' amazing truck jumps. Like we don't have a lot of truck jumps anymore. Like what happened to truck jumps? This should be rectified. Bad for the environment. Oh. Yeah, but I uh, <laughs> I feel like we should jump some trucks. I like it. Hey, you're the one to do it. You're the one that has to get it done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wait a minute. You're exactly right. This is like when we have Toy Man on here and he acts like, "How? Why don't we have these action figures?" Well, you have the power to make that happen, sir. Yeah, yeah. Let me get the board paint. Right, a truck jump. Yeah. Right, Chad. Maybe Chad could be naked in the front seat of a truck. He's not buckled in, and he goes through the windshield during the truck. Yeah. (laughs) Consider it done. It's. I mean, that's like a fucking. 
double retirement. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, they they do that. We get the George S. Clinton music, which is excellent too, which is phenomenal. But yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned the score. I lo- I think the Avenging Force score is like something to remember. Like that's actually better than a lot of the scores that we got at the time, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, I talked about it at the start. Furstenberg, uh, Duty, Steve James, the Dream Team. Clinton's right in there with them. They're like the four horsemen there. Yeah, just of, of of canon. Like you put those four guys together all doing their thing and you got yourself a hell of a movie you do like that's true it's entirely true steve james pops his shirt off no doubt. Uh, I, I believe in the commentary if i recall um dude calls like there was nothing in the script that said his shirt had to come off but he was like i work hard for this body this shirt's coming off yeah well you know so there you go and, and once again parker fails at this this trap he set um, and he's about to pay for that, Chad Cruz. Oh, yeah. He, uh, you know, you don't go back to the Pentangle with failure. Not uh, two sti- times in a row. The stench of failure all all over you. And especially when they're at the shooting range, you just, you're just like, you're poking the bear, man. You just know you're going to get lit up. And, and yeah, they, at first it seems like they're going to go a different direction and he might be spared because he kind of slinks off into the corner. But once Elliot, you know, the ultimate asshole kind of, realizes he's still there yeah he puts a puts a bullet in, bullet in him his butt and his gut and just kind of just lets, lets him die him yeah out. well that's what i was yeah. gonna say is like what's worse is like he, you know it's not like he finishes him off they all just like walk out leave him there bleeding and look down yeah. at him kind of like scowl at him like oh it's maybe you know, he's alive in your sequel he could still be alive that's the thing like we don't yeah. know is he dead mm. you know, I mean. but he's clearly I've, an embarrassment to the pentangle obviously yeah maybe he's maybe he is the secret fifth member maybe maybe <laughs> no he's he, not. he owned the straw hat factory and uh yeah. that's where his money came from okay big business kentucky derby's a big weekend for him <laughs> yes yeah absolutely his whole years revolves around that weekend um so yeah the, but the good news i guess if you're pentangle is you know where uh Larry's hiding out. You know where the where they're going. They're going to this farmhouse. So that now automatically makes us think: who is the leak in this organization that keeps giving the Pentangle? They know what's going to happen before it happens in in some cases. So there's some trouble going. Is and you know that kind of puts the uh, a little shade on old Admiral Brown. It does. It doesn't. Yeah. Like, it doesn't go Was well. James Booth? You know, he wrote himself a pretty good part here. Was he making himself the main man in number two, and it just never happened? I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say he was. It, it so. certainly feels that way, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I, I think I think he was teeing up for the for the bigger sag residuals. Especially by the end, you know, he's there. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember his line at the end, but he's like, "Are you insinuating?" Like he's he's really I'm not uh, insinuating anything. Yeah. yeah. I don't it's know. funny though. It's like I do wonder if that was his plan, other than setting up the sequel, why he wanted to have you know duty investigate himself. Because mm. he is the one who asks him, like, we could use you on the inside, right? Yep. Maybe he was hoping he would die. Keep your friends close. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Eliminate because he's no. If there's going to be one person, I mean, again, now this may be where the connection is to the original, because originally Matt Hunter. On his own, 
stopped an entire terrorist invasion yeah. of America. So Matt Hunter could conceivably on his own take out this pentangle in this group of that is trying to make America what they want it to be. So maybe, yeah, maybe, get maybe. rid of get rid of Matt Hunter and then everything the 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 road is clear for what they want to do. Or maybe this is a prequel. Oh boy. And I can totally see it as a prequel. And and you know why because I feel like his denim game isn't as strong in this film. Right. And, and he I feel hair, like he, and he grows the mustache and he gets more hair. Yes. He and, gets he just wills that hair to grow all over his body. And that could be, yeah. And that's where, he, yeah, he's also like kind of, he's out of that life too at that point as well. Yeah, he's him just, and John Eagle just living John. up in the bio. One of the greatest names <laughs> ever. The Everglades. The Everglades. Yeah. Everglades. There you go. He likes that swampy type world, I guess. He does. Um, Once you, yeah, but he, you know, that's where, like, he, well, he was living in Texas until he saw how Pentangle was living, and then he was like, ah. So yeah, they're at the farmhouse. It's heavily guarded, but it doesn't matter because Pentangle's getting the jump on him. I Um, mean, when your guards are going off for soup, like, are they really guarding anybody? There's some soup on the stove. (laughs) Chicken noodle, it looks like. (laughs) Like that's not. There's a lot of soup and coffee getting uh, thrown around here. Like when uh, he comes, yeah, Larry comes back and Sarah's like, I'll make you a nice cup of coffee. Well, that does solve yeah. everything. My kid's I, dead. My wife's hysterical and yeah. sedated. But that cup of coffee is going to be great. Thanks, honey. I'd be like, you know what? It's 102 degrees out. Hold the coffee <laughs> and the hot soup. Give me yeah. a, you Give know, one of those ice pops or something. You know oh, what I mean? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. I'd like that. So, yeah, they show up. They burn the whole place down. Uh, Larry uh, won't be winning the election. Um, and his family will not have time to grieve because, oh, that scene where my God, firefighter duty. I hope you've never had this situation, Chad, in your line of work. He's carrying the kid out the window, gets an arrow to the leg and they both just fall. Obviously obviously that was, that was a dummy, but, uh, yeah, but, but look, it, it does, it looks rough no matter what. Right. Yeah. And what's funny here is like this is about the time where today I would get a note. Chad, I don't <laughs> think we should kill both kids. He and just mom. lost one kid and he just lost his own life and his wife's getting ready to get shot yeah. in the face. Um, maybe keep one kid alive. Right. Yeah. And that kid could be in your sequel now. Yeah, all grown up. up. He's Michael All B. grown Taylor. up. He's yeah. been yeah, Mike perfect. And and he's been trained by Matt Hunter, and now here we go. Pentangle, you don't stand a chance. Yeah, but no, this mean motherfucking movie is like, we're going to kill all the kids. And yet, for some reason, they leave like the annoying, you know, niece alive. I don't know. But, but yeah. She, like, uh, don't worry, everybody. I'll get you a cup of coffee. She, oh my God, uh, that voice. Man. Well, and that wasn't her voice. Yeah, I was going to say, she's they, 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 something. They right? had to have somebody, a, a local... New Orleans actor dub her voice. Yeah, yeah, you Which can is, tell like just from from the very start, it's 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 not on cue with the rest of it. It's like, oh Matt, what are you doing? Stop! Imagine how bad her voice was was that they would use right. that, that one. That that they, was they the better that option. Voice and went, That's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> that was the better option. So yeah, mm. yeah, but no, it's it's. I mean, the movie really does take like a like a. I mean, I you know I think that's probably one reason why I have always liked this movie and found it as memorable as I do 
is I do think one, it has like major balls. Like it takes a dastardly turn and it isn't afraid. Like I'm sure as a kid watching, you know, when you're a kid, I don't know, like watching other kids die. It's just like, you know, you're like, Oh, that, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. And I, well, well, yeah, you didn't see it too often either. At least you don't see it the movie, too often. Not, not the movies I was watching. No, no, not the movies I was watching either. And that's why, like, I think like, you know, I was shocked when they did it to the Mar- the kid at Mardi Gras, but then, you know, he's, like, I don't know, maybe 10. <laughs> so he's, you know, 10 or 12. He's old enough to go. Double digits. You're out. Then here's like a little six year old, or I don't know, five, six year old, you know, uh, and then, not bouncing mention, off like, roofs and, the lawn. Not, to, not to mention Matt really fails his best friend's dying words. Yeah, he does. Protect Quickly, my son. Too. Okay, right before he takes a nosedive off the staircase. Um, <laughs> Matt's like, cool, I'll go out the window. And then takes an arrow. And I mean, he did like Matt really should have at least tried to hold on to the kid better. I mean, it's just a fucking arrow in the leg, man. Yeah, man. Come on. We all know what that feels like. Just yeah, obviously. No, it's nothing. But I mean, yeah, he, he pretty much drops the ball. Literally. <laughs> yeah. So if killing kids wasn't bad enough, the Pentangle abducts Sarah. And next thing we know, she's being prepared for the sex trade by Fifi. <laughs> and uh, Matt fortunately gets there in time to help her out at, after uh, they've uh, given her an extreme makeover. I, I, I like how before, before this happens though, when they use her to get Matt to come, he's like, if you don't show up, we'll do all sorts of things I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> and your mind just goes like, this evil, what? we can imagine, man. Like, uh, Jesus Christ, you just killed a five-year-old kid. And you're not that was the note. That's where they got the note. Okay, yeah, you just fucking killed two kids. You're not saying what you're going to say. You yeah, take yeah. that line out. You just yeah. say, let the people fill in the blanks. That, but that's what's funny is like all of a sudden he decides to be subtle. <laughs> And maybe maybe Chuck got that point. He's like, okay, they're doing what to his little? They killed they killed two kids, and now what are they doing to the girl? No. My goodness! No, come on, Manakam, Manakam, what are you handing me here? Yeah, yeah. Or he was like, he's like, I would never fall off of a building. That's, <laughs> That's Chuck Norris. Part of the, I would never drop that kid and let him bounce like right. that. There's that too. Or yeah, you know, was like, can I do a comedy? Can I do Firewalker, right. please? Because this is dark. Because oh, you have yeah. duty. Dude, he gets his ass kicked in this movie a lot. He does. And I don't think Chuck would have taken a beating like that. No, but that's also like, you know, part of why this movie is so great is like, yes, it doesn't have, you know, duty Seagalling around everywhere. Right. But I can imagine this as Seagal and I'd love that too. I, I, I would love it, but like Pentego really wouldn't stand a chance. Then he'd just be breaking him down. Yeah, imagine how his gigantic leather jacket would fare in that weather, though. <laughs> just so eating hot. A carrot, eating a Shrudging carrot. through the Eating a carrot. So much swamp. moisture. Just oh. swamp ass. He'd sure. yeah, no, he just, he just, he just plop a chair down in the middle of the swamp and be like, come. I'll take just it from his, here. His double doing everything for him, yeah, which is yeah. great. Why he, sits, why he sits in a folding chair. Um <laughs> I, w- I actually want to see this movie now. I gotta I know. go it's find Stephen in Russia. Um, One or, day there'll be that technology where you could just CGI in anyone into any existing movie. We're close, and just, and just just have at it. I guess. Yeah, it's just like like Steven Seagal uh, has entered the Avenging Force <laughs> redo. 
So yeah, he gets Sarah out of there, does Matt Hunter. Um, and now it's time to get, get up there, go up against the pentangle. And uh, yeah, like you said, Mr. Cruz, he gets his butt whooped. It's it's not easy, these fights. No, he's gotta, it's not. He's, gotta, he's, gotta, he's really scratching and clawing and doing whatever he has to do. And, and what's great about the pentangle is they, they, they know their roles. You know, we, we've written... Uh, for several years, we've written a, a random post every once in a while called "Knowing Know Your Role" about about actors who've kind of you know embodied a certain type of character for their whole career. And these guys, they knew their roles. They had one guy who like has like a ninja's gimmick with a sword, and someone's like, "Okay, you're taking the sword. I'm going to do the gimp right. mask, and I'm going to have a spear." And then the other guy's, "Okay, well, I'll be like a military guy with a shotgun." Okay, and then so everybody kind of had their little gimmick, and it 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 makes a great transition throughout this fun, this finale uh, where we don't get to see duty, you know, just get Kung fu his ass, you know, his ass Kung fu. We get him like, you know, backbreakers. We get uh, grenades blowing up. We get like a, a diversity of violence. So it's, Swap it's fight the rain with swords. Oh yeah. So you gotta mention, that was yeah. always my favorite bit was the little, like, you know, where they're in like the little, I don't know. I guess it's like a, you know, just a swamp basically like, little wooded area of the swamp just having like a, a f- it's amazing how like little they actually do choreography wise when i watched it later but yeah. how much my like young mind thought it was like the best fight of all time it's so incredible he's just and duty's just like swinging like a baseball bat yeah there's no yeah, like yeah he's just like fluidity he, you know, to he it. Gets punched once he stumbles back it's yeah. uh you know, like the last time I watched this, I remember it like sort of dawning on me, which is weird because like, you know, you can actually go watch a lot of these movies that duty did. And you're sort of like, he was not a martial artist. No. <laughs> no. I, look, little kid me did not know this. It was no. like, no. American no. Ninja. Exactly. Yeah. He, you watch he, it now. And it's like very apparent that like, he is not, you know, well, not Scott Atkins. Right. Of course. Yeah. Like, it's just a different, like, you know, not that, not that, you know, it was bad. It's just like, he's, it's very punch and fall back. It's not, you know, Chuck Norris would have played this differently. Let's put it that way. You know, and it, it's very similar to how, you know, Brain and I have been wrestling fans for many years. You know, you've watched wrestling from the seventies and they do so much with very little effort Right, uh, because they're so good at it. They d- d- make you love the character, make you hate the character, make you invest yourself in in everything they're doing in the ring, just like Duty did on the screen. And y- you don't have to do a backflip, spinning roundhouse, you know, whatever to the face. Like you just punch a guy. Right, it works. <laughs> yeah, simple but effective. Swayze knew. <laughs> Swayze knew. You know what? That's maybe that's what Steven Seagal is going for. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I think you know. Less is more. Yeah, or more is more. I don't know. He lost it. I don't know. I think there's definitely more of him uh, than there used yes. to be. So that yeah, could be part of the problem as well. Yes, that's uh, he's he's uh, he's a piece of work. That's, um, <laughs> he, I, uh, you know, look, I I say this as like the guy who loved his first like five films. Like I think nobody had a run like Seagal did back in the day. Agreed. And then. On deadly ground. Anyway, um, <laughs> that jacket know. though. Whew. Yeah, yeah. No, the jet. Look, yeah, the, look. I, I, I'm still trying to find that shit on eBay. He, he, <laughs> he became the eco warrior, and and things changed for him after that. 
Well, you start changing from movie to movie. Ah, we're talking about Seagal now. We got to get back to duty. Come on, yeah, we, because he so he, he takes out uh, Chuck Lavelle. He takes out Jeb, the gimp mask wearing Jeb Wallace. Uh, you've got Wade Delaney with that shotgun, and that almost seemed unfair to have a gun. Wade Delaney, it did. I mean, it did. You're right. Bitch. Right. 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 I mean, because he, he, didn't, he didn't have. To, yeah, he didn't have to get close. He's just like I'm. Like anybody could freaking. That's come on. And it's, you know, he's like, oh, Heisman quarterback. And he's like tackling people. He's like tackling, like spearing them. I'm like, you were a quarterback, yeah, dude. Quarterbacks, yeah. Yeah, they, they're known for their tackling. Ability. Throwing the grenade makes sense. But, right, yes. And he should yeah. have been able to do a perfect spiral. Right. So so I found the movie um, on Stream Picks, which is through Amazon, but I think you have to subscribe. Yes. But it's actually coming through the cable that I have here. There you go. That's and so that I've got must it. be why it said it. Yeah, I've got it on silent watching the end um, fight sequence with the, you know, the the gimp with the knife and the mustache. And uh, he's getting ready to fucking drill the knife through Matt's face. And then Matt says, fuck you, I'm going to kick you in the nuts. And that's <laughs> beautiful. Enough. Yeah, screen picks like the best $3 you could spend on Prime because uh, they just have a lot of these older MGM titles that don't get the love that they deserve. Yeah, no. see, and that's that's like Tubi to me. Like, I'm all, I'm I'm like, Oof. I just go on Tubi and I'm like, this is free. Yeah, what it's is- beautiful. Tubi's also we we've we've talked about Tubi on this podcast, yeah. probably more than any other streaming I service streaming, because it's yeah. it's awesome. No, it's it, great. Like, there's movies that you know I I've forgotten about, haven't seen in years, and they're just like featuring yeah know, that movie, and I'm like, shit, I haven't seen this movie since you know 1986. <laughs> I've said this to. Uh, very close friends and you know like my uh, my wife's best friend i said and i would say this to tubi as well if you ever need me to kill someone for you i will oh, that's how much i care about tubi that's uh, look i i get it i totally get it hey wait a second so so i'm watching the end of this movie and i don't remember this how does how does sarah the niece just pop up at the end of the fight she was in the cave, right? Yeah. And then she, oh, went, she, she, that's right, she went. That's right. She went looking for him. She. I was looking for you. That's yeah. right. It's still kind of stupid, but yeah. Yeah, it uh, is very stupid. But I just saw it on 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 here, and I was like, "Wait a second! I don't remember her just showing up like that." Yeah. But yeah, there she is. And then it's like, okay, let's go through the swamp. And then the, right. then the shotgun guy is like stalking him down. Um, and then again, he says, "Wait here." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, he gives her a piggyback ride at first. And then yeah, cause she, she got shot. Didn't she get That's shot right. at some point? She did, yeah, she does get in. She does get wounded. She's oh, wow. buckshot. So, oh, yeah. No, she gets buckshot from the tree and they fall. This is like a play by play I'm doing here. Uh, That's beautiful. It's, um, yeah. And then Matt's like, here, get behind this tree. Stay here. I'm going to go fight this guy with the shotgun. Yeah, she gets some buckshot in her. Or I guess it's tree bark. I don't know. It doesn't look very bad. It's like a ricochet. And you know, we, we never, the one thing that you do kind of miss with duty movies uh, when you compare them to other action stars of the time is you don't get the the amazing one-liners. Um, every once in a while, he'll say something cool, but like, you know, I, I can imagine somebody being like, you know, I'm more of a basketball fan or something. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. <laughs> as you kill the football player, but yeah, yeah, no. And he's, uh, Somehow he's like jumping from tree to tree here. This is great. Oh, and then a grenade. This is the heavily armed dude. Yeah. 
He's a like cheater. he didn't just have a shotgun. He's got grenades and um, he yeah, takes whole, one out with a whole grenade. arsenal. Yeah, yeah, he's got the whole thing. Yeah, and it's still raining, which is perfect, even though the sun's out. Oh, this is great. Yeah, they think they've got him. And oh, it's the young guy. I forgot who had the guns, and they gave it to the. Um, what's the younger guy? I've seen him in other movies at the time. Um, yeah, he was in Delta Force. That's Where, right. That's right. William that's right. Wallace. Yes, that's right. It's his real name. Wade, Wade Delaney is his character. Yeah. That's right. And then, but yeah, he almost gets the best of uh, of duty here. Well, he's Quite definitely got times. the got the advantage there, but uh, he's well, but even even done. once he loses the weapons, I mean, he's he's duty does not look like he, um, you know, has taken out. He does not look like the the agent that they promised us. Well, he's been Wait. through a lot. He has. He's lost a lot of friends and those he's close been through, to him. Been through a lot. The he's, already taken out, he's already taken out two guys. Three-story building fall. He did the big fall. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he does fight all these guys like literally one after the one next. One right after, yeah. And, and I guess we should commend the Pentangle for going one at a time. As yeah, a it's yeah. almost like they if, say, If, okay, if they all cool. went four on one, he'd have been done. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like he has enough trouble with one on one. Um, and they're they're competitors, you know. They're trying to win the money, right? They're they're right. gambling they, with one another to kill. They want to be the one to to bag them a duty, right? Yeah, bag them a, right. yeah you wouldn't hunt like, uh, you know, an elk with your buddy. Like, hey, let's go get this elk. Like, right. no, you want to shoot him. You don't want your friend to shoot him. Yeah this this scene is like you know, how does it feel to be hunted? You tell me. Yes. What? What? No. This reminds me of something else. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Wrong movie. <laughs> we can do that movie next time. Yeah. Yeah. No. Look. That. And that's. That's like. You know. That. That cinematic experience changed my mind. Changed my life. Like. I, I was blown away by the time I'd seen. Seen that. And I'd already seen this. And I. Like I was saying. Before. You know. It started. I always felt like this movie. And it's probably just me making shit up in my head. But uh, the you know, Avenging Force and Hard Target feel so similar. I always felt like Avenging Force was sort of the spark that led to Hard Target. Now that may not be true, but as an action writer, a lot of times other action movies are the spark that leads me to something, and usually right. not even seemingly so blatantly. Hopefully, as like you know. Well, yeah, I would, I would assume Taken played a part in your six bullets. What's funny is, is you would think that, but it actually didn't. Um, oh. I, Commando played a part in Six Bullets. <laughs> okay, that makes yeah. sense too. Yeah, but it's funny because like I think the movie got greenlit because of Taken, right? And everybody yeah. was, you know. Um, but a lot of people said that. And I'm sort of like, no, I mean, when I saw Taken, again, not to slam that movie in any way because I'm a fan of it, but I felt like the only unique thing was it was Liam Neeson doing it, right? Like, yeah. But it felt oh, like yeah. so many other movies I'd seen. And it, it's a well-made, good, it's a good action movie, and it clearly turned Liam Neeson into, you know, the action star that he is now. But I felt like it, you know, it was not unique in any way to people who had been watching action movies since the 80s. The yeah, it, when, when, it first, it, when they first started, you know, showing the commercials for Taken, I, I was like, this is what Charles Bronson would be doing if he were still alive. Right, right. right. This is This is, you know... I mean, and that's kind of what Liam Neeson kind of that elder statesman action guy, and he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's taken that mantle, right? And and a lot of you know, a lot a lot of Liam Neeson's movies even feel like what I think you know, 
Clint Eastwood would have done at a certain time or Harrison mm-hmm. Ford would have done at a certain time, even mm-hmm. if they're sort of like, you know, quote unquote, supposedly elevated action movies or action thrillers, they're still, you know, familiar in some way. And, and I think most movies are not just this genre, but like, you know, that's why I'm like younger me was quick to compare Avenging Force and Hard Target. And they clearly would make a great double feature because they have a lot of comparisons just down to the setting, the most dangerous game, you know, adaptations and, and, you know, but at the same time, like that's a lot of movies. Like there's yeah. a lot of movies. If you've been around, you know, long enough and paid close enough attention to, to movies that you'll see something in a, in a movie that, you know, you're like, Oh, this is like that. And they're not the exact same, but there, there's a lot of similarities to a lot of things in a lot of movies. And I, I always, you know, when I was, when I write, I used to try to avoid it. And then I was realized like, there is no avoiding it. Like yeah. you're going to hit the same beats and the same you, you can try and you can try and duck and dodge and this, that, and the other, but it's like, you know, what's the quote, all the great stories have been told or whatever. And it's sort of like, there's truth in that. It's all in how you execute something, but ideas are, you know, ideas are free and they're used most of them. So it's more like in the execution than it is in, you know, the, um, the originality of the thing. And, and, you know, that said like hard target, even if it was sparked by avenging force, it's definitely its own thing. And it definitely still blows you away in its execution. John. Yeah. But it doesn't have John P. Ryan. It doesn't swimming, have John P. swimming through the swamps with a face mask on. No, but <laughs> it does have, it does have a snake. Getting yeah. A rattlesnake. Yeah. We yeah. Don't get and it does have, like you know, Lance Henderson was a great villain. I loved Lance. And, um, I, look, I think both of these, like in a double feature, you can't go wrong. Like they're, they feel primed to be like double feature feature material to me. In particular, like we're at the part at the end now where like um, uh, John P. Ryan and, and Dudikoff are just like gradually walking up the stairs together, and John P. Ryan's like, "I'll take off my jacket, and here's my weapon arsenal of antique yeah. weapons." Yeah, the per- he he did not get the job done in the swamp. Neither of them did. They. The professor ran off uh, or retreated. So now Matt goes and pays him a visit at his home uh, yeah. where, where he had, as I mentioned earlier, was talking up his boy Hitler to his friends there. Right. As and, anyone does at a tea party. And he had a little, <laughs> he had a little kitty cat with him because well, why not? Cause that's He's evil. He yeah. Um, yeah. They're not going to have a dog. Like John no. Wick has a dog cause he's a good guy. Right. Where yeah, this guy's got a freaking black cat. Um, he should have had a gerbil. Yeah. <laughs> well, he might have had one of those too, but you didn't see it. <laughs> so that was so, when the year was going to start. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, so yeah, but before he goes up the hall, the phone rings, and somebody was like, "Hey, Matt Hunter's coming to get." Yep, he's already here. So again, that leak is out there. Who- Which is well, a great spot. Yeah, and and who could possibly have known that he was on his way there? Right, because he just went and saw Brown and said, "Listen, I'm going to go get. I'm going to finish." Well, that's right. So clearly, yeah. I mean, so again, that's another who could it be clue there that uh, could it be the screenwriter setting himself up as the lead villain? (laughs) So yeah, and then as you mentioned, Chad, they go to the Great Hall. There's all these weapons, and uh, then we get to see the stunt double really do his thing with that wig on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good wig. I mean, it's a bad wig, but it's fun. And it's clear that it's not John P. Ryan, you know. So you're saying that even having watched it on YouTube, because a part of me was like, 
because when, when I first got this, you brought this to my attention, Mr. Cruz, when we started the site. And you're like, have you ever seen this? And for whatever yeah. reason, I had never seen this one. Wow. And at that point, it was not on DVD. You're the welcome. Blu-ray was still not released. So I got it on VHS. And uh, I, th- that and River of Death, I think both of them, I was like, oh, I've never seen either of these. I saw his ninja stuff, but never any of this non-American ninja duty stuff. And uh, I'm like, did... did was I able to tell that was a wig on the VHS <laughs> copy? Um, because I sure as hell could tell on this beautiful Kino Lorber Blu-ray. Right. I think, it, you know, it, when you watch it when you're younger, you just don't care. Right. Uh, it's the character that's fighting. And it, whether it's John P. Ryan playing the character or or some, you know, 32-year-old stuntman playing it, I don't really care. As long as yeah, he's it's being thrown through glass. Talking, we're talking about the wig and, like, I've never, ever thought about it. And I'm now I'm watching it going, where's the wig? Um I did. I do think I caught some cameramen at the bottom of the stairs, though. <laughs> Perfect. On accident, like I was looking for the wig, and then I saw like, "Holy shit!" There's the gaffer. And, um, yeah. Well, they're gone now, so yeah, that was definitely not intended. Um, see, it's ruining my childhood. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, there. That, okay, there's the wig. Yeah, there's the wig. Yeah. But now John P. Ryan's back in action. Cause and I also think the TV makes a difference, too. I mean, obviously, yeah. today's TVs are much it better. Does, because, it does. Like, I remember. Like, I watched the A-Team reruns, and obviously none of those guys are doing any of the fighting, or not a good chunk of the fighting. And it's like, now watching it, it's like so obvious. Or or like you said, Jim, did I just not care because I was a kid? And I'm like, who yeah. cares? Well, it, but it is different because, like, you know, I must have watched Commando a million times. And then later on digital, you can see, like, the string on – uh, David Patrick Kelly's leg or, you know, like when he's going to drop, like hold right. there's like a safety thing on it. And I'm like, I know that wasn't there. <laughs> it definitely didn't exist. I never saw that on the VHS or at the, th- wherever I saw the movie, the million times I saw the movie on TV or wherever. Um, but it's like here. Yeah. Like now that I, now that you mentioned the wig, it's like undeniable to me, <laughs> right. but I, I watched this a million times and just went, oh, so but it's funny. You've brought up Commando a couple of times already, and, and, and I think that this movie bears a resemblance to it in the fact that the villains are, are also amazing. You know, the villains of Commando, you know, take them one by one. They're they're so awesome, and they, they all are. play their yeah. role perfectly, and they all die in wonderful ways. Just like, you know, we finally get to the finale of Avenging Force, and Duty and, and John P. Ryan, who you wouldn't expect to have this knockdown, dragout fight. They have this incredible fight. Uh, surrounded by all these antique weapons and such. And uh, whether it's a stuntman or not, it's still an awesome fight. And it ends with, uh, you know, uh, Professor Elliot, whatever, Glastonbury or whatever the hell his name is, getting impaled on his own historically just weapons of death, you know. And he drops to his knees, staring into the eyes of the man who killed him. Just screaming, too. That was a great scream. Well, yeah, Yeah. he had to to live up to the one he did at the beginning. Yeah. And you know. and then cut to you know her the niece in the hospital and she's like oh Matt hi <laughs> he looks like hell by the end he does he's got yeah like clearly he's, he's, he's been through he's been through a lot which is great I I want my hero to look like look like that you know right spirit of seventy six by the end of that yeah. yeah it's 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 unfortunate when the worst thing that happens is like the cast arm you know right. He's been right. through this whole shit. Now he's just broken his arm. 
Sis, light sprain, you know. Just, right, just took one in, took one in the shoulder, so I have to have my arm in a sling now. Put a, put a sling on him. We're out of here. We're yeah. wrapping. Like, let, let's just put a sling on him and be done with this movie. And yeah, so that's, that's what where... I always feel like people are saying when you just cut to the guy in the sling. It's like, really? You broke his arm. <laughs> Somebody just didn't want to do shit. They just wanted to say, how do we convey, you know, what he's been through? Well, a sling will do the trick. <laughs> a bandage on his head. Bandage on his upper forehead, a sling, yeah. you know, it's like, um, yeah. And then here's the screenwriter setting himself. I am clear. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set myself up as you. Yeah. You band. need to find, go to use the uh, J- James Booth playbook. And uh, yeah, like th- this, was, this was clearly like him setting himself up for, uh, you know, and, and it's weird how, how it took so long for, you know, um, duty to kind of put the pieces together because it's really pretty obvious when you watch it. Yeah. It's and, like, and maybe he has an idea, you know, I think he has an idea earlier in the film. He might, but, but I would hope not because then he tells, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's part of his plan. Tell him I'm coming. Yeah. Tell him I'm coming. Yeah. Tell him I'm coming. And he, and he's just so badass that he, I mean, he literally knocks on the door to go murder a guy. Yeah. 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 No, but that's, what's cool about it. He's just like, what's yeah. up? Okay. <laughs> And then he just follows him casually up the stairs to his weapons room. Oh, so well, you got to be gentleman about it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's already taken out most of the threats. I mean, honestly, John P. Ryan's super scary, but if you've taken out the other guys who look, you know, let's be honest, more physically capable, yes, and you're sort of like, you know, I've got this fucker. What if the fifth guy popped out of somewhere hiding and just killed? What if we had a sad ending? Oof. Yeah, what Oof. if it's the departed? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Right. And and you know we don't get that Dudikoff freeze frame at the end, which is beautiful, by the way. I missed the freeze frame. Um, it, you know, um, yeah, that would be. I, I guess the, you know then the next movie would have to be the rise of Pentangle, and you know, right. I think we just I, saw how that all played out. I think if this were a Korean action movie, that's what Duty, <laughs> Duty would have. He would have returned to the hospital to see his sister who is lying there dead because the fifth member killed her. Right. And then mm. duty put a gun in his mouth, killed himself. Yeah. He can't oh. take it. That's He's Korean done. shit right there. Yeah. yeah no, it's true though. It's true. Like they don't, <laughs> and what's funny is like, I remember in, and um, when I wrote hero wanted and I like, I thought it was like this dark crime drama where it became this, you know, whatever action, whatever, whatever it is now. And I killed the lead character in the script it felt right to me to do or whatever. And um, I remember Avi Lerner and that whole camp going, you can't kill the lead guy. You can't, won't sell in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and so he lives and he's at the end, he's like in a wheelchair or something and uh, whatever. It's like the, um, I just always thought that was funny. You can't kill the lead guy. We can't sell in Germany. You, you can definitely tell that Avi had his roots in canon. Yes, you could. Just, well, that, just, that, just that, his way of thinking about things. But that just was why it was so much fun for me to like start working with him and, and sort of see like how things worked. And and a lot of times they didn't work in a sense, but they did work and do work, <laughs> right. you know? Right. Like you can't kill the guy. We can't sell in Germany. Well, that's like terrible for storytelling, but I get your point. <laughs> it's a business at the end it's of the day. It's a business. And then it's like, okay. And then you think, well, you know, these characters shouldn't have machine guns. That's not who they are. But it looks better on the trailer. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. 
And there's just this whole train of thought that goes into the way, you know, a lot of these people sell and market movies um, that doesn't necessarily go into, you know, how you naturally think uh, to tell a story. Like, you know, I could envision Avenging Force not having that middle section where, you know, Steve James and him go to kick some ass and start jumping trucks. And then somebody saying, well, the movie's too small. Like we got to, we got to, you know, jump some fucking trucks and have our heroes be proactive instead of, you know, letting the fight come to them all the time. Well, yeah, there was definitely a formula and I don't like every 10 minutes there had to be an action scene in a Canon movie. I I, I think that was like the rule of thumb. Makes sense. I mean, I'm not mad at him. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's what a wonderful formula. Yeah, that's like uh, that's well, that's like the way that even you know the sci-fi channels when they sci-fi channel made those creature features, it was like the creature had to pop up every like five minutes. There was like a whole time thing where it was like in five, you know you introduce the creature and then you have a kill, and then in fifteen minutes after this commercial break you have to show the creature again and have another kill, but there was no like natural progression to the story. Like people would always be like, man, these sci-fi movies suck and they're terrible. <laughs> and you know, maybe you like that kind of thing. Maybe you don't, but like there was no, there was no naturality. To, like it was completely like, you couldn't just write the story. You had to like do, you know, forget whether the effects and everything else were good. Like there's so much that goes into it. Like on a, per minute basis so if canon did anything like that then like i'm amazed we we like as many as we like (laughs) because it's so hard to do like it's it's you know it's very hard to hit minute markers with like you know you're still trying to flesh out a character and it's like but the pterodactyl has to show back up right you're like fuck okay kill somebody mid-sentence just to get the <laughs> and it's you know i think the canon movies were probably the same it's like well we need an action scene shit well you know they see somebody picking on his wife <laughs> hey buddy no that's like a seagull film i just wrote a seagull film again there you go what about if you were writing the avenging force sequel what would that look like well it depends would i be writing it now or would i be writing it in 1990 um if I was writing in 1990, it would have been really easy because the movie fucking sets up itself, right? Right, right. If you were doing it now, you'd have to do like a whole. It would, it, you know what? It would almost be, um, you know, dude, cost retired. Live, you know, he's been retired. Well, he's retired in this movie, um, but he's definitely retired now. He's, you know, probably had a family. He's living in the bayou because, of course. And then, you know, somebody comes to him and says, hey, we've, you know, people are disappearing. Um, we start, we're starting to think Pentangle may be hunting people again and they're rising again. I told you I'm out. Naturally, they're going to get somebody else close to him. And, you know, he's back in the game. And what if Pentangle had like a presidential candidate? In a red hat? <laughs> I'm not saying that. In I'm just straw, saying in a straw hat. In a straw hat, and th- yeah. So now it's like, uh oh, they're about to take on the ultimate power. Now, would that be enough to get him out of retirement? It might be. It might so, be. That, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like they they've grown in power over all these years, and yeah, avenging force. I think I did. Did I write? We did a. You know, we did those uh, those posts where it was like the unofficial sequels, but we also did like the ones where we just make up 
what was this called brain the fantasy oh that's fun. Fantasy, fantasy flicks right so i'm that's making up my own yeah and i think i did one called the hunter where it was duty as current age retired he's in a farmhouse with his wife and uh young man select you know early 20s action stud shows up with duty's daughter okay she's interesting Judy Aronson is the, the mother. Mother, yeah. I remember now, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, guess who shows up? You know, ski mask wearing Pentangle. They abduct the daughter. And Duty is now teaming up with this new, uh, you know, this new son. and Not son-in-law, but the, this new boy that he's meeting for the first time to rescue the daughter. And it's just titled The Hunter. Chris Hemsworth, obviously. Uh, yes. Well, we can't afford him. We have to get his, his uh, less attractive brother. Okay. Not yeah. even Liam, the other one. Oh, we'll go Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Hemsworth. Luke, yeah, the third one. Luke's in. You know Luke's what? In. He was. I watched him in a movie. He was really good in it. I forget he, what it yeah, was. I actually, sci-fi I like flick. Yeah, he's on Westworld. It, yeah, he's good. I like him. Yeah, he's good. No, let's, we'll, we'll find another brother. Maybe they got another one. They got to have a, a, a cousin out there. Cousin, somewhere. right. Yeah, there's Their Joe, Estevez. Joe Estevez is somewhere in there. Their version of uh, Lance Von Erich. Um, not a real Von Erich, but he's there anyway. Yeah, there's uh, a Joe Estevez there. Chad Law, final thoughts on Avenging Force. Um, what a what a what a what a nasty piece of work, but what a great <laughs> movie. It, it really it really does blow my mind just because I, I think that like even if I tried half of this stuff today, some financial entity would cut me off at least through half of it they're gonna say okay one kid yours but not both they're gonna say you know yeah there's i mean this is like you know it's 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 pretty pretty you know it's pretty hardcore for an 80s action movie like and and, you know we used to in the 80s you could kind of you know you could do a lot of stuff but like this is um you know, it's it's interesting because, like, you know, I'll go back and back and watch like you know Walter Hill's Forty Eight Hours or a classic, and you watch that and you go, "Man, you could not make that movie today." I don't think you could make a Avenging Force today, the way that it's made. Like, I don't think you could get away with you know all the great stuff that they that they do in it. And part of it is, and maybe this part's even for the best. But you know, I part of it, you know, people always say. Well, you know, they never put politics in movies. Have motherfucker, have you seen Avenging Force? That is a political movie. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, pretending like Paul Greengrass and Matt Damon put politics into movies. Like, Sam Furstenberg was putting politics into movies in, you know, the 80s. So, like, like you know, I think now that people would push back on, you know, being polit- as political and one-sided in a sense as I think the movie is. Not just the violence and not just... um you know, the, the, I mean, they have basically what are, you know, overtly racist Nazi characters kill all the black people in the movie. I mean, there's so much that this movie does that like, you know, I commend the movie for it because that's sort of why, you know, we're like it still and are talking about it, but I just don't think you could get away with half of this stuff for better or for worse today. (laughs) Like, I don't think that, you know, there's, I don't think the version I write today doesn't at least have Steve James live to go with Dudikoff right. you know, for the end battle to get revenge for his kids. Because it's almost like those kids, 
they like no justice. I mean, yes, he kills Pentangle, and yes, you know, he 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 eradicates all but the you know the missing member. But like, is there really justice for those poor kids? Like, yeah, is there really justice for Steve James? Not in his story. No, and, and really, he's he's not doing it for Steve James and his family. He's doing it to protect his sister. Yeah, well, and that, that's, what, that's what's sort of weird about the movie when I watch it. You know, putting it under a microscope as opposed to just watching it, which is you know, it's always better to just watch a movie than fucking microscope it. But sometimes you you know you you watch things enough or you're watching it for certain reason, you're reviewing it, whatever, and you put it under a microscope. And under a microscope, you would say like they basically forget about Steve James and the kids. And it's just about Dudikoff, you know, saving his niece. But you wonder like, if they didn't take the niece, would Dudikoff just be like, ah, fuck it. He was a good friend. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get her back to the house and see. I tried. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, the grandpa is, let's go ride some horses. Um, But yeah, it's, it's weird because it, it just kind of forgets, you know, and I guess that's one thing I would do today. Like if somehow I was able to get away with the, the movie that it is today and had done exactly the things they had done, you know, I'd probably put more emphasis on the revenge factoid of it. Like make sure like, you know, even even if you got to have duty say, and this is for Steve, you know, not Steve, right. but, you know, Larry, Larry, Larry. kind of a weird line, but hey, you know, we remember <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, what really sets it apart from the other 80s movies is the, the, the crime that's happening. It's almost too realistic. Like, you could see that happening where, the like, an invasion USA was so freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Right. That terrorists are just going to land in Florida and somehow make it all the way across. And, yeah, you know, a lot of those, you know, or it's not even taking place in America. So as far as... You're sitting there watching at home. You don't even think about it. It's it's such a fantasy land that it's it's over the top. It's ridiculous. But where, where this is like, yeah, you probably know somebody who might want to be in the pentangle. Unfortunately, right, 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 right. Yeah, no, it's funny because like um, there's a lot of it that I probably would have. And again, I don't want to fucking get political or seem like I'm trying to be political because I'm not. But there is things there are things in this movie that I would have thought were more far fetched 10 years ago than I think are right now. And that could, yeah. And 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 part of that's because, you know, like I don't hang out with pentangle type dudes. I don't know. They they start screaming and shouting from the rooftops everywhere. Like they sort of, you know, have been as late. Um, So it kind of like astonished me to, you know, see that like, there's a lot of there's a lot of cats who do think like this. <laughs> there's right. some there's some very interesting lines in this movie, and like I feel like uh, if someone who who leans heavily like let's just you know far right extremist person, and they watch this movie and then they like just pause it at one point, they're like, well, hell yeah, these guys aren't the villains. You know, they might not even know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know, at some point in the movie, they they do kind of go like super extreme. Yeah, but uh, but there's there's some lines in this where you're like, oh shit. I mean, I'll see people. This isn't a good look. Yeah, yeah, no, like, but you'll see people on, you know, sharing memes that like seem like pentangle memes today. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, yeah, this guy's clearly pentangle. Look at this meme he just shared. (laughs) The fifth member is still out there. Yeah, 
I remember. Yeah, no, clearly he's like the, you know, he's, he's sending out memes. and, and He's the one creating the memes. <laughs> lead, spread, the spread the word in, an, yeah. in a new modern era. It's the way of the new world. Oh, shit, that's Cobra. Um, also realistic. <laughs> there you go. Play that, a couple that, axes together and hey, we're off to my, my point is this is made there. So, all right. Well, there you have it. Final thoughts on Avenging Force. A great movie a canon classic and we are going to be taking a quick break and we will wrap things up here on this episode of the bulletproof podcast all right wrapping things up here on the bulletproof podcast chris the brain chad cruz and our special guest chad law and again we want to remind you to check out chad law's latest movie coming out next friday september the 23rd on amc plus Section eight, many great action stars. And Chad, how can they uh, follow what you're doing in the movie world? Uh, yeah, you can media? find me. Find me at uh, I think I think it's Elmberry thirty one on Twitter. Uh, you know what? Let me double check. I don't even know my own. <laughs> you um, don't tweet yourself that often. I don't, I don't tweet myself that often. I'm not like savvy enough to be like, yo, I'm at. Uh, you know, yeah. Let's see, where am I? Yeah, well, just look up Chad Long. Yeah, Twitter. it's Elmberry31 Chad. Elmberry31 Chad. Yeah, so find me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, but it's way less exciting over there. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Where I'm at online. Yeah, I don't know. Hold on. Let me, let me back up. I'm not sure that fucking Twitter is very exciting either. So, you know. Oh, there's <laughs> a lot of excitement there. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of crazy shit on there. A lot of cra- No, action Twitter does get pretty crazy. I will say. Like action Twitter uh, is like fuck this movie, fuck that. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sure you're anxiously awaiting to see what action Twitter has to say about Section Eight. I am. So we'll I'm always. Uh, I'm always keen. You know, I look. I, I want people to like the movie. I hope they do. And again, that is not to you know like like I think we we made the movie we set out to make, which is hopefully a movie um, for action. I hope so. That's what I'm excited I'd, about. I'd say the cast alone is a good start. I mean, that's yeah. that was the idea was not to, um, you know, uh, not to not give people what you know. Like this is this has a me as the fan base in mind, and I feel like you know, I'm looking at it from the outside, looking in and thinking, well, what do I want to watch, and who do I want to see, right? You know, in a, in a movie together, and and you know, this is Section Eight. I'm very happy with, with the movie that we made. There's always things, you know, there always will be, but like, yeah, I'm very, very happy with the, you know, I, I, we were trying to go back into that eighties and, and eighties, nineties sort of action feel where, you know, every other scene, I would go as far as to say, like, we didn't actually play by the Canon rule book, but every five minutes might be an action scene. There you go. So and as you mentioned, that you should know, be on the poster. And and not uh, and not uh, an action movie with people in tights, which is a you know welcome change. And nothing against the superhero films, but it's nice to have 
just a good old fashioned action movie. Yeah, and, and, and something something that that you know I think just feels like, um, yeah, like like a sort of an old school conspiracy action thriller where it's like everybody's involved. Well, I am looking forward to checking that out, and you yeah, can check out bunch of shit up. Yeah, that well. Now, now you've really sold me. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. You can check out my review of Section 8 next week on BulletproofAction.com. And, of course, Chad, we encourage them to check that out each and every day. And I know you're going to want them to check out my Section 8 review because yeah. you've got uh, Scott Atkins and Dolph Lundgren on uh, the cruise missiles. I do indeed. We're we're uh, week two. Uh, when this releases, we'll be in week two of our new uh, – quasi fantasy football league, but with fantasy uh, teams made up of action stars. Um, And you can go on bulletproofaction.com and you can see who we have on our teams. Uh, There are some remarkable teams, especially mine, the cruise missiles. And I implore, I implore you to check out uh, anything uh, involving Dolph Lundgren, Scott Atkins, two amazing actors, uh, two actors that you will soon see in section eight. Yes. Yes. And, and that we have covered many, many, many times. I think Dolph yes. might have the record of the most posts on, on our site. So and, 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 and who better? I mean, uh, yeah. why not? He, does, right? he yeah. deserves it. He deserves it. He's a legend. So he's he a, certainly is. He's not expensive. No, no, we do not. No. So that is BulletproofAction.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at BulletproofPod and at BulletproofAction on Instagram and on Facebook. And I try to keep that interesting. I know uh, Chad Law says he does not keep his social media interesting. I do my best to keep ours somewhat interesting. Um, And Chad Cruz, do you know what we're talking about next time here on the Bulletproof Podcast? Uh, I'm going to no, I have no idea. So you can't read. All right, because we are going to be keeping with the Force theme, and I'm not talking Star Wars because we did Avenging Force. Next time we're going to do Excessive Force, starring Thomas Ian Griffith, who is getting a lot of play in today because uh, Cobra Kai Season 5 dropped. So you see a good guy, Thomas Ian Griffith, in Excessive Force. So that would be interesting. Uh, maybe we'll get the toy man on that one for, with us. I think he's going to want to be there for that one. Yeah, I think so too. So that will be next time. Once again, Chad law, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you guys so much. It was fun. We would love to have you back on to talk I'd about to something else. On. And uh, we will be in touch with you and we will be watching section eight and we'll be waiting for war paint and whatever else you got coming out. We will be keeping our eyes on. So Chad Cruz, anything, any last uh, minute plugs you have? Just begging people to click on your posts so you win. No <laughs> plugs. Uh, click on all the posts. That's always fun. Uh, yeah. Thanks again, Chad, for being on the on the podcast. I know you're thanks. busy and you got things going on. And um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for hear... having me. It's fun. I'm always I'm always happy to you know. And th- and thanks for covering everything over the years. By the way, I'm always like looking for the bullet points. Excellent. That uh, that warms my heart. We've been doing yeah. this for eight years. At least somebody's doing it. You know, yeah, I, no, I, I love it. I held this in, but uh, you know, the thing I love most about your, your, you know, the movies that are made from your screenplays is the titles are so good. They, <laughs> they, they feel like action movie titles. Thanks. And, and I, I clicked myself in this. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I clicked on and You have one. Uh, it says it's in pre-production. It's called violence of action. Yeah. Which, that's, that's something, that's a term I've used so many times over the years, you know, I was in the military and then just like, just talking to people about things and, and only certain people understand what that term means. What that and term I've always means, thought, yeah. 
I've always just thought it would be a great movie title. So I'm excited we, we, for that. We literally start that in October. That is also with Scott Atkins, but William Kaufman directing. Yes. We're going to do some violence of action. I love it. <laughs> lot you. to look forward to from Chad Law and hopefully a lot to look forward to from us here at Bulletproof Action. Uh, com and of course the Bulletproof Podcast and I want to thank everybody for listening and as always stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast You're listening to the Geekscape Network 